Welcome to the Creative Plan Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Well, okay, I'm going to get rolling a little bit. I'm going to just vamp until it's uh, not show up. Uh, the title is something about tools. I'm sure it is. Well, crazy thing is I showed up to these and I said, well, it's such and such, isn't it? And they're going wrong row. Maker's Workbench tools every maker should have and know about, and we're going to discuss which tools will maximize your creativity and output in your personal workshop. There he is. Sorry I'm late. My wife just got here. <laughs> and that is the most important tool in your workshop. I went to There we go. What if you never underestimate the support of a loving wife? Particularly for this stuff. I was married once before. And she couldn't understand why I liked all this. She hated it. It's like, why? It's just fun stuff. Mine picks something up and says, you should be able to make something out of this. Hand it to me and kicks me out into the garage. It's, that's the kind of music. I come back three days later. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Ready? <laughs> oh, oh, it's on now. Okay. Thank you for the wire. No, we weren't asking you to move. Oh. <laughs> so, favorite tools? Favorite tools. Probably one of my favorite tools right off the bat is a Dremel. The reason it is is because of all the different. Yeah, there we go. All the different bits you can put in the front. Angle bits, round bits, straight bits. Uh, leather, leather burnishers, they now have leather yeah. burnishers yeah. too. I have just a tiny assortment of the different bits you can put into it. You can grind, you can sand, you can polish, more sanding, cut off wheels. Probably the most dangerous thing in the kit are the cut off wheels. Oh, those cut off wheels. If if you're not careful with the cut off wheels, you will injure yourself. Unfortunately, I know. I've kept all of these, but uh, some of them have been damaged before. This, my Dremel tool here, and it's a real Dremel tool, not one of the knockoffs. 5,000 to 30,000 RPM. Is that an adjustable? Yeah, it's an adjustable. Oh, yeah. That's That's cool. Question. So is, I've seen that they've come out with the rechargeables now, so you don't necessarily need the 
plot board, and sometimes I want to do things that getting the cord there is kind of a hard thing to do. And, yeah, yeah. Um, they, don't, they go up to 15,000. Is that enough to do most of the work you, you find yourself using the Dremel to? It can be, depending upon what it is you're working on. I, however, sometimes work with massive chunks of resin or just styrene plastic. And you gotta be careful, uh, particularly with styrene. The resin, you gotta be careful with dust. Because that dust will get in the air and if you inhale that, you're in trouble. It'll, it'll, it'll mess you up. Styrene has a tendency to get hot and melt. And uh, you can get gobs of stuff doing that, but usually, Usually you won't be working with such a massive piece of styrene as that. But, uh, yeah, if you're doing a big project, it's time to break up the big tools. You know, I, I've, I've literally seen people to handle really big blocks of foam and stuff, pull out chainsaws and big saws just because it's gonna take you forever to go through the dremel like that. But if you're doing something like EDA armor and you want to kind of engrave in it, the right little bit on this and a steady hand, I've seen amazing stuff produced. And you got to take your time doing something like that. If you want something to be as pristine as possible, go as slow as you're comfortable with, not as fast. Because one little slip of that Dremel and right away, it's like, oh, gee, you have to putty it over and sand it again. And Practice on scrap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next step up, and I've kind of worked in automotive industry and body work, is the, is the air tools that you use in automotive. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like super dremel, mm -hmm. but you need a big air source for them. You're looking oh, at yeah. something bigger, like you're making a big sword or a big piece of armor. Yeah. I find that can save a lot of time. Yeah, and you get into things like instead of using these to polish, get an auto buffer. You can put an amazing number of different sanding pads, things on that, and it will do the things on a large scale. But for a lot of the stuff we do in steampunk, it's fairly small little pieces. Uh, if, you have to, if you get something, a lovely vintage piece, and you decide I want to make it look shiny, that's your right. Um, to take one of the little polishing discs, put a little jeweler's rouge on it, and boy, it'll shine this thing up faster than anything you've seen. Oh, wonderful. So it's, it's such a versatile tool. It can, in a pinch, work as a drill. You just throw drill bits into it up to a certain size. Uh, it'll do a lot of things. It's one of those tools that will do a little of everything, but it's surprisingly good at a lot of those things, as opposed to a multi-tool that's not good at anything, but it'll do a little bit. Yeah, Dremel's always been the standard for so many years, but you got a lot. I mean, there's a lot of, quote, rip-offs out there, which, uh, they, they're okay, but you can't beat a Dremel itself for what it, for what it does. And they have lots of accessories. Oh, Anybody tons use this? of accessories. This is the extension shaft. I, I bought it, I tried it a couple times, and I never seem to use it. If you have a tight spot to get in, it's supposedly great. You get, you know, bag after bag after bag of extra pieces and parts, and which you'll probably never use. Yeah, but, but like, I think the best thing about it was the case. Oh, yeah. The case has everything laid out beautifully, and it has all the pieces and parts. And 
I knew Dressel would be the first thing that everyone would say. Oh, yeah. You, you, you planned ahead accordingly. Yeah. Now, the other thing, though, is if you're a maker, you got to decide am I making one of something or am I making 90 of something? If you're making one of something, this is all you need. This is literally my toolkit I use at home. And it's got just standard little tools in it. It's an old fashioned tool bag, which I really like because all my tools are standing up, so I know I've got my clippers, I got my needle nose, my screwdrivers, everything I need. And they're sturdy enough to hold up, yeah. pull, on the, pull on them out and put them in the back end because if you get a cheapy one, pulling the screwdriver up, using it and putting it back in is going to start damaging the bottom of the trough it's in and you'll end up with the thing poking through and you know, that's why you, if you're going to get one of these, get a, a decent quality one. This then it'll last you for uh, a long time. Well, as long as you said the Q word, quality, we could start the debate about Harbor Freight. <laughs> <laughs> no way, no way. This is the Harbor Freight $9 canvas tool bag. And I, I, have, I've, I carried one of these for years to uh, rent fairs because we did chainmail. And so it has 30 pounds of chainmail and some tools and a tiny anvil and goofy stuff in it. And they held up great. Um, some of the tools you get at uh, Harbor Freight, I like to think of them as, as disposable tools. You use them a couple times, you throw them out. And if it's a special weird little tool you're going to use a couple of times, you know, I put all the money into it. If it's something you're going to use a lot, get a good quality tool, it'll be worth it. Uh, but they do have some good ones. The thing that I reach for the second most in this one this is a tiny pair of what I call snipe nose pliers, pliers, needle nose pliers, but they're bent. Because, you know, ergonomics. Mm -hmm. You want it so it's comfortable to work, comfortable to use. Also, there are no serrations on the jaw, so it won't scratch up your work. And it's it's got the little springs in it, it's got the deals, but you pulled up real well. This is their dollar ninety-nine tool. I've got one of those along with a pair of uh, actual forceps that are just curved. They, however, have teeth on the inside of the jaws, so I, there's some things I can't do with that if I don't want to damage. So I guess you got to have a lot of different tools uh, for various things. This is the number one tool. <laughs> this is a genuine Stanley razor knife. And the reason I like the Stanley has the extra storage in the handle. Yeah. Also, you push it out a little further, you push the button, and you can quick change the uh, blades. Yet it's very, very secure because to have these slip when you're cutting a big, you've got a side of leather and you're cutting it and it slips. We had a class here where we were doing leather knuckles. And a gal had one of those little ones that popped out a little section of time and they break off. Yeah. Ooh. And apparently she had never used the knife before and she threw it and it slipped. Oh God. Yeah, you gotta be careful when you're using anything sharp to yeah. always be in control of where that blade is gonna be, even if it does slip. 
I, I've done that before, and I'm sure he's done it many times before. I'm, I'm sitting there cutting, and I've got a brand new number 11 blade, and I'm sitting here, and oh yes, oh yeah. Oh dear, what? <laughs> Stitches. Yeah. It's not handmade unless there's blood on it, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and things like using the Dremel, proper ventilation, safety glasses, uh, that little, those thin discs of stone that are used to cut off, cut bolts off short, and they're fabulous. When you first bring them up to speed, you do it like this, because if they're out of balance, they shatter and fire shrapnel everywhere. So when I use those, I like to use a full face shield because boy, when those go off, and I always, I never look down straight across it. I always go at an angle, so if it does fly off, it's not gonna fly into my face. Bare minimum goggles, absolute bare minimum. If you don't have goggles to put on, you do not be needing to work with a, a tool like that. But I, I agree with you, full face is the best way to go. Also, we got one different thing. Okay, I'm going to talk about tools that aren't tools. And now I'm going to just blow the hell out of my argument on quality. <laughs> if I'm doing small sanding, I hate using sandpaper. Ladies, what's this? Carry yeah. board, right? Okay, you can get a pack of 50 of these at the dollar store. In very large, down to very small, different shapes, different colors. You use them a couple of times and you throw them away. But they're fabulous because you can get into I built one of your novelist kits a couple of years ago for the deal here. And to get in and do all that little sanding you need in there, yep. those are invaluable. Yep. So much easier than trying to get in there with sandpaper or a Dremel or anything else. Next to those, I've got big popsicle sticks and little coffee stirrer sticks I get from my favorite barista. <laughs> uh, you can. You can grab rather a handful every time you get coffee, or you can break down and get the large economy. It's like a thousand or five thousand in a box at Smart and Final for five bucks. And you use these for everything. So if you're working with glue, they can, you can use it to mix, you can use it to scrape things off. Um, I use these as the header piece on metals. So we use these for all sorts of things, and I just like to have a big stack of them everywhere that I work so that if I need to do something, you know, it's hot glue, I don't put my finger on it, you burn yourself, you put one of those in and you use it to brace. I've used them to shim, we use them for everything. Plus, if you're not feeling well, you can have a friend take it and go, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, leather dye on a stick. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't like to buy stuff, so I will do weird things that some of you saw that I skinned a sofa. My wife found a leather sofa somebody threw out. My very best crocodile hunter outfit, I went out there to skin it. I got 50 square feet of leather on it. That's a hide worth of leather. It's pre-finished and sealed. You cannot dye it again. Only way to change the color is to work on the surface. Best thing I found. It's stupid, but the best thing are marks a lot uh, magic markers. It holds really nicely when you really build the color up well. It has this beautiful purple sheen to the black. Very pretty. But I've got brown in here for when I have to do belts uh, and stuff too. And at home, I actually have a bunch of other colors on. So those are the things we probably shouldn't tell you. But if I if I'm 
spray painted some things. That I only have one painting trick: spray it black and then come back with a rub and buff and do the surface and play with it. And if something chips off of it, rather than get out there and try to respray it, I just touch it up with magic marker. Yeah. All the, the colored sharpies are good for that too. Colored sharpies can be good. Yeah, I like the broader tip. You can get these in the poster versions of this big round. Oh man, they do a one inch stripe in a single pass. <laughs> They're really cool. Just gotta make sure the cap's back on before you set it down or yeah. you're gonna have a big mark on whatever it is you set it on. Get one of these? Make, make one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, again, we're gonna pick on Harbor Freight. They sell these as healthy hands. It's a magnifying glass and two little roach clips. I mean, alligator <laughs> Wait, wait, we're legal in California now. So yeah, you got your joint here, and when you're self-medicating, please do not use the drill. Okay. Just saying. Um, do you use this much? Uh, not as often as, uh, as I used to. Uh, I found it really good if I'm doing some highly detailed paint on something like a figure or maybe say a control panel of a spaceship or something like that. I think the last time I used that I was doing a control panel on a, a kit of Uncle Martin's spaceship from uh, my favorite Martian. And it had enough detail on there, I figured I might as well just paint it right. So I, I drug that thing out and got in there. And, yeah, I had to refocus my eyes after I was finished. But, uh, I use it for soldering because it'll hold the two pieces exactly where you need it. You have solder in one hand and iron in the other, uh, which is one thing that's ever really good with using it. I've been wanting to put it on a hat for years, but it's a little heavy. Yeah. So maybe take it pieces. Also, on the back side of the, the clips, put a little magnet on each one. Ooh, magnet yeah. on the back side of the clips. I like that as an idea. That's a good idea. Nice ceramic magnets. Not an idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. <laughs> See, that's why we teach these classes, just to get in from you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is about, it's only about a $5 item there. And for work, if you work with like, anybody still pan paint D&D miniatures? Show how old you really are? Yeah, okay. <laughs> nice for that, because you can get really close detail. That's not just good for painting. You can use it for weathering things, too. Like, uh, say, a... Uh, a gold coin or something like that. You got a plastic copy of it, paint it a nice gold. Something like that comes really handy for suspending it and then spraying on whatever patin is you want to put on it and stuff like that. So, crude gun. <laughs> I know, you're expecting us to sit up here and pick on you for using hot glue gun. I love hot glue gun. No. <laughs> um, they, will, they will fall apart if you're setting, if you leave something in your car mm -hmm. and it fell together mostly by hot glue. That can be a little tough, but for smaller pieces, particularly when you're doing your original mock-ups or playing with stuff, it's great. I've been starting to do EVA foam, and the people that I like the most on uh, YouTube are saying, you know, this is better than barge, this is better than the context cement because you can use it without, you know, having those hallucinations from the vapors on the barge. <laughs> um, and it's forgiving. You can hit it with a heat gun and it releases. So, you know, there are times where it's an advantage. The best use I've ever heard from it was a woodworker who said if he's clamping two big boards together or something, 
he spreads all of the regular glue in the middle and then runs a fast bead of the hot glue on the outside, sticks it together, and the hot glue becomes a clamp until the wood glue cures. And you know, otherwise you're out there with 29 clamps and you're trying to do this and it just takes forever. That is a really sneaky, clever little way of doing really fast um, woodworking. And you know, you, you better have it aligned well yeah. Because you don't have much working time with it. And a real light beam. Yeah. Um, it depends on the size of the size of it. Well, you, we want to have a fairly thin deal the of it. The bigger the bead, the less it's going to squish. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did break down, I was so impressed. Sergeant Stitch had the Bosch wireless version of this that said it wasn't offered in the US. And I found last year, Ryobi put out. A, a construction size glue gun, so it uses wow. the big sticks. But it uses the same uh, battery packs as the drills do. And it lasts a good long time. It's so. the 18? Hmm? The 18 volt, yeah. Wow. Uh, so you put it, well, the nice thing is you put it on there, you turn it on, and in one minute you're ready to go. Wow. And I mean, it's those big, beefy sticks, and it puts out a lot of them. It has surprisingly good control. And the best thing is, when you set it down, it stays there because it's sitting on that big battery pack. Because on these, you're always putting them down, they're falling over and whatnot. I wish I could find these again. These graced the shelves of the 99 cent store at one point, and it's a little holder that holds this and forms a drip pad so you don't have glue all over the dining room table. <laughs> Another <laughs> so I wish I could find more of those because I got six glue guns I'm setting up for my bacon tape and I'm just using little cutting boards to put them on. And the Harbor, Harbor Freight has blue cheese. You know, Dollar Store has blue 20 sticks for a buck that I've used it and it works fine. Um, well, you know, that's the other advantage, it's cheap. The other fun thing is it comes in pretty colors. <laughs> The glue with glitter in it. Yes. <laughs> I can't tell you how many little tiny glass vials I have stuffed full of that just because right. it's interesting and you line them up and they're pretty. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's not leak out. No, it doesn't leak. It doesn't dry out. Uh, it's good stuff. So, you know, think beyond the box that it, it isn't just glue. I've had people say, you know, you can put this in old thing maker molds and mm -hmm. peel the stuff out. And so it's a mold casting. Modge Podge made a series of molds yeah. for the hot glue, and they have two sets that are steampunk, steampunk gears. I have those. <laughs> it, takes, it takes some talent to work with those. What I'd like to do is you can get a little hot pot, and you just drop in a handful of those sticks and let them melt completely down. And if you do millinery work, you take your feather, you dip the end in that, and then you place it. It's exactly the right amount of glue. So for something like that, yeah, I, I'm thinking about that. What else you got? Okay, if, how many of you are starting to work with lights and sound chips and neat stuff like that? Spend ten bucks and get a little multimeter so you can troubleshoot those toys you buy that never work or your circuits or everything else. Uh, it's amazing how often I'll pull something out and oh, it doesn't work. I mean, I get a circuit tray, so do whatever you want on it. Best 10 bucks you'll ever spend. It's also a battery tester. Uh, I don't like to use it as a voltage tester because your things have to be on. And I spent too many years reaching into 480 volt switch gear <laughs> with, with the big brother of these. 
uh, testing power, and I'm, I was lucky. Nowadays, you cannot do that anymore. Our flash rules are brutal. And that's for good reason, because there are a lot of people who get seriously injured. Yeah, that's a good trick. This is a joke. This is a good one. <laughs> this is a portable vice. It's a portable vice that clamps onto a table. It obviously can't take anything big, but it really does the job. That extra set of helping hands that came out. I don't know where I got this. Uh, I think it was before we had dollar stores, there was a store in Escondido called K's Deep Discount. And this was before Harbor Freight was out here. And they had the weirdest stuff. And this was it. So it's a hobby. I, I'm sure on the internet you could find it as a hobbyist vice. But just a little vice you can take with you any place you go. So you're in the hotel and you're trying to fix that thing tonight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the side, you know, you're playing with it, you're having a good time with it. Oh, a hint about uh, little handy little things like that. If you're ever at a Harbor Freight or a regular hardware store or any place similar to that and you see something that you know that could come in handy, get it right then and there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many times, oh, I'll come back tomorrow and get it and they're gone. Particularly unusual tools. Also, if you're in an antique store, Antique tools are frequently less than the current new version. Yeah. You know, you want that really cool, interesting monkey wrench, you go out there and try to buy one new, it's 30 bucks, and it was only 10 at the antique store. Yeah. Those are some of the most underpriced things that I ever find in those vintage stores. And I'm, I've got vintage draw knives for doing woodworking, uh, old chisels, there's something called a spoke shave. When I started doing the costuming, I was a hell of a carpenter and could not sew with the darn. So I traded carpentry work for steel. And what we found was there used to be a show called Woodwright's Workshop on PBS. Okay, and the guy was kind of goof a goofball and he would sweat his way. All those shows are shot in a single take though. That's the amazing part we've got to get out of this. One take, 30 minutes. This is PBS, no commercials. One day he used those work. <laughs> And he's sweating and he's just falling apart. But he has done all this work with these old tools. It's one of those, you know, I can pull out the router and I can mount it into the router table and I can bring the router table out and I can get it set up and I do seven pieces to adjust the bit and I finally get it and I'm ready to run that one piece. Or I can grab an old fashioned chisel and knock it out in three seconds. So, again, if you're doing a lot of things, then we've got to get you into the power tools. And yes, I have power miter box to do those cuts and all those things when I'm doing a class set of 90. If I'm doing one, I got one of those goofy little plastic miter boxes and silly saw and quickly saw it out. Any other questions? About anything with you. Oh yes. Yeah, Q-tips, right? Q-tips. Oh man, use these for everything. <laughs> Literally, when you're cleaning, when you're painting, when you're oiling stuff, you you know, we get too much oil on it. You're doing any of these are just invaluable. And the reason mine are in these pretty packages is the dollar store they come in metal tins, oh, <laughs> and so these are a byproduct of work that I do with the metal tins. So, <laughs> so yeah, they're everywhere. They just fall apart. 
talk, talk about stores to go to, I, I also do model trains. There's a catalog called Micromart. Where all yeah, small tools come from. They, they specialize in really small tools for modeling. Yeah, I use Micromart to get a few things every now and then. They're not cheap tools. They're no, they're not cheap, but they're also decent enough quality. They're not just going to break. How many people here go to the dentist on a regular basis? <laughs> now, one thing you can do, if, if you remember to do this, when you visit the dentist and you're finished, ask him, do you have any old dental tools that you're going to throw away? Usually the dentist will say, well, as a matter of fact, yes, I got this box of them. Do you want them? Get them out of here. <laughs> And uh, I found them invaluable because you can modify the tips, put it on the grinder, put a, a edge back on it, and just all kinds of various things you can do. Yeah. Just make sure he autoplays them first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's an interesting thing. A lot of dentists won't do it anymore unless you have an autoplay and you talk them into it because they're afraid of that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, also, they got very hard to break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get an assortment of little dental pick looking things as uh, clay tools. They sell them for that. They're invaluable for picking things apart. Now, that's another thing. It's one thing to say you've got tools for building stuff. Where are you getting all your parts from? Are you buying them new or are you scrounging? <laughs> you know, what can you find? And, only the front row will be able to see this, but my couplets are the motor rotors from CD-ROM drives. <laughs> they are the coolest looking thing. Come up later, take a look at them. They're so cool looking. They're coppery. They're wonderful. They're highly detailed. To get to them and take that apart, you have to have a set of star drivers and the security star drivers, which have a hole in the middle. I just found recently uh, a group online was selling a set of all the security bits for like nine bucks. You can take apart anything. Because <laughs> normally I get it till that one screw is hanging on and I'm beating at it and gnawing at it like a crazed wolverine. But you eventually get it apart to get that piece. That, that's a good buying because my, my star trip says snap on it. Well, <laughs> remember, how many times do I expect I'm going to need to use these? You know, three or four, so this is a disposable tool again. Because, yeah, I've got a whole set of snap-on wrenches from my beloved father-in-law that I love, and I use those for everything. And we found when we were cleaning out his, his toolbox um, that he still had the little loan card that he bought the set, his first set of snap-on tools 20 bucks was it originally, but he paid for it over like eight weeks, you know, $1.74 each week, and then that they actually bought the things on time like that. But those tools from the 50s are much better than anything like um, classic. So, yeah, again, when, they, when, when, when people say, oh, we're just cleaning out Grandpa's garage, volunteer to help. <laughs> now, occasionally, Grandpa had some weird stuff, and I have seen the bomb squad called. Because Grandpa had a couple of jars of picric acid now dry. <clears throat> the bomb squad even gets excited about that. But lots of times they will have just weird, funky, wonderful stuff. Tools, um, 
old things. You know, a, a vacuum cleaner from the 50s is a treasure trove of wonderfulness. So, and they come apart with a Phillips head screwdriver, the entire thing. You have to find that magic screw. And you take that apart, the thing just falls apart beautifully, and you put it back together. Modern stuff you beat to death. I didn't bring, but I've got from our blueprint the one foot wonder tool, which is a small, uh, small but heavy crowbar. And we used to use them to raise panels to position because you throw it on the floor and then you stand on it and it'll raise the panel three quarters of an inch. Doesn't matter what's in it, that's a great box. <laughs> uh, again, people will throw boxes out. These originally held tape drives for data storage back in the day. What's a tape drive? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when you see the things like this, grab them because they become great storage. And they're just a wonderful thing. Almost the same exact size as now the 25 pack for extra young. Ooh, okay. Target's got a three bucks. <laughs> oh, look at that! <laughs> That's a plastic knife. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mix epoxy. Yeah. Yeah. Use it once, throw it away. Uh, also, you keep the little lids off of um, anything that's like a Pringles lid, because that's what you mix your epoxy in. Because you use it once and you throw it away. Actually, those you use it, let the epoxy set up. Flex it, the epoxy pops off. You can reuse it. <laughs> the other thing is, if you're using your hot glue gun and you get a little bit of glue oozing out. Let it harden up, and then use the serrated piece, and just gently, gently work at it, and it will peel it all right off without disturbing any of the other things. It won't even disturb the paint around it. So yeah, I, I, I don't keep the spoons, I don't keep the uh, forks, but boy, the knives, we can put them out of Very handy. Screwdrivers. Now you can't use these on delicate work, but these are vice grips, and vice grips will save you on so many things, backing off an old rounded out um, nut or bolt, yeah. For little pieces it's a micro vice, and you can hook something in it, hang it on the side. Now, if you're painting something small, it's a great little deal to support it and hold it for that. Uh, these are tiny ones. These are a needle nose. They're, I haven't seen these for a while, but they're very nice. But this is a genuine vice grip. I obviously had to inherit that from somebody who like, you go out and buy one for myself. They are a little expensive. But worth it. A lot of Sears are going out of business right now. Great tool sales. Yeah, but the problem is they're not the craftsman tools we grew up with. Yeah. My dad, when we'd be walking, if he found an old craftsman wrench or, a, or any kind of wrench or screwdriver, you know, falling off a truck, no matter how mangled it was, if you could make out it's a craftsman on it, you could walk into a Sears store, trade it for a brand new one, they had lifetime warranties. No questions asked. On the other hand, he still has his original craftsman wrenches from that time period. So. Stanley, you know, they bought them and they're going back to make everything in the United States again. They're slowly done, put everything back in the United States, and also they're going to go back to the lifetime guarantees, which is 
if they go back to True Drop Forged and everything, I would pay the money for it. Yeah. And uh, Lowell's is going to take over. The tools you use all the time, don't skimp on it. If you're using that tool all the time, get the tool that fits your hand well and that looks great. If the you know little rubber stuff starts to wear off, this is the home built stuff. This is the plastic dip you can get at uh, Home Depot, and it works great. You you dip it after wait 30 minutes, and you and you have to do nine coats that way, so it takes three days. But it builds up a beautiful, uh, nice surface on. I'm redoing some of the old tools again for my father-in-law because they were just so nice. Heat shrink works nice too. Heat shrink's good. Yeah. Heat shrink too. Anything you use on this? Yeah, I wish I was able to get my grandfather's tools tools because he was a carpenter. He had oh I can't even begin to tell you how many weird tools he had. <laughs> but when he passed away, uh, they they kind of disappeared. <laughs> Of course, I was uh, at the time I was too young to make that much of a fuss out of it. But it's like, oh man, my toolbox now would be so awesome if I had those things. Oh uh, well. Well, again, look in those antique stores. But, you know, lots of times antique stores and stuff's way too pricey. Not the tools. It's amazing how cheap the tools are. You can find some decent things at uh, swap meets and garage sales. I mean, it's kind of rare to come across some of the better stuff, but you just don't know. Uh, I went by a garage sale one time and he had a plastic box full of dental picks. It's like, oh, how much you want for these? Make me an offer. <laughs> I give you three bucks for the whole box. It was sold. Okay, <laughs> it's rather difficult to curb my enthusiasm. Yes, <laughs> but uh, I can eventually find things like that. Um, you should have at least six to eight sets of uh, scissors in your kits, little tiny ones. One's dedicated to the fabric. Never, ever, 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 ever. Take your wife's fabric shoes. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Don't go there. Uh, my mother gave me a set of nice ginger shears, dinger, and I, I didn't take care of them well. I'm kicking myself. I need to go in and have, see if they can be salvaged. Uh, so when you got to cut something real heavy duty, get a pair of the paramedic shears. You're not going to use them that often. So again, a couple of bucks. They'll cut through a penny, and you have to try it once, right? Those same pennies that go right through. Bill Brown's ones, you have to struggle with. Uh, they will work on that for cutting real heavy leather. If I'm cutting little pieces, I'll use this. Big pieces, I stake it down, and I get my razor knife out and play with it. But uh, for, yeah, for fine work, no. Get little nice scissors. Again, medical scissors for little work are tremendous. They're incredibly sharp. They're very, very good quality stainless. Never seen those rust because they have to go through other places. So it's it's one of those things that you keep looking. And if you can ever find a, a military surplus field surgery kit, they're in every one of the deals, and they're at least twenty bucks. You can get them under twenty; they're worth buying a set because you get those nice forceps. You get 
the actual hemostats, the locking clamps that are small, but they're angled, and there's all sorts of different things. And if you have to do small work where it's difficult and awkward, a set of those hemostats is absolutely worth it. If you go down to Kobe's, there are groups that are selling them, and they're three or four bucks a pop, but they're worth it. start doing a lot of stuff. So we're talking power tools now, bench mounted power tools. What's your number one go-to that you tell them this is the first thing you gotta put in your shop? Well that that sort of goes between a disc sander and a bandsaw. Uh, the reason it goes between those two is that uh, the bandsaw is great for cutting out pretty much anything you need, unless of course you're cutting steel and metal, then you have to have the right bandsaw for that. But uh, it allows you to cut out what it is you want to use in your costume piece, in your prop piece, and any, anything else you're doing. And the sander, disc sander, allows you to clean it up a bit and get some of the hard edges off of it. And yes, you must wear gloves if you're doing metal, and it's a large piece of metal, now it's not recommended you use small pieces of metal on a disc sander because it's going to get hot very quickly. I won't show you the blisters, but uh, it can get very hot very quickly. Uh, and I've made that mistake early on in my career and had to let loose with the thing and the this caught it and that is not good when that happens. So one of our guys at the shop I work at uh, was messing around with our disc sander and we, the motor on this disc sander is this big around. The disc is this big around. And this thing gets going at about 30,000 RPMs, just some real high ridiculous thing. And it's great for taking down metal, even steel. But he was not paying attention to what he was doing. The disc caught it, pulled his hands in, but didn't pull him into the wheel itself. It merely took a slight bit off the ends of his fingers. And uh, I, I said, what, what happened? Oh, I had, I had this thing caught it for some reason. Oh, really? How were you holding this? Oh, I was holding it like this. I go, if you were holding like that, the disc wouldn't have caught it. How were you holding it? Well, I had it like this and I was doing it. It says, you get away from this machine right now. You're going to kill yourself. So you got to, you got to be careful with the, uh, some of the bigger power tools in that because unless you're trained by someone who knows how to use it then don't use it yeah uh, i have a former co-worker who uh, had a circular table saw and has a 19 year old uh, amputated the end of the finger from the, the last knuckle out 
and it can happen instantaneously. I work with grinders all the time. I just caught a piece of metal on sprung and it, I actually ground my entire nail off. Right. The doctor didn't think it was going to grow back, unfortunately, it did. So, oh, wow. Grinders are the most often cited piece of equipment by Cal OSHA. That's the first they can walk in because they're never adjusted right. <laughs> and the guards come off so easy. Well, <laughs> people take the guards off because they're hard to work around. You know, if you're using it right, the guard is your friend. The guard helps you. And, uh, you know, you again, I've had people turn those on, and I run over a cold plug. What was that? You didn't hear that tinging noise? <laughs> that tinging noise is your only warning about a third of a second before the, the wheel disintegrates and launches itself like shrapnel over the whole area. It's relieving internal stresses. And I've heard the excuse of, well, I'm standing in front of the wheel. It would go out like this and it wouldn't hit me. No, no, you're anywhere near that. And it can fling something at you before you even realize what's happening. Yeah, training on equipment like this. I know we're harping on this, but again, you work your whole life around this stuff. I work my whole life around it. Training is not reading the manual. Yeah. Reading the manual allows it to turn it on. To actually put stuff against it, you find the old timer in that shop who still has all ten fingers. That's the guy you want, okay? And have him show you. He's going to show you techniques. And I apologize to the women folk in the audience, but it's always an old guy. And they will show you techniques that will make it easier, better, safer, more wonderful, more everything. Uh, because they've just gotten good. It's just the, the years of experience on the tools. And that's the right way to learn that. The, the old apprenticeship program is still the best way to learn on that kind of equipment. I had some old guys show me how to do this and then this and, and stuff like that. And once I learned the technique he was teaching me, it's like, how could I do it any other way and have it turn out this kind of quality work? So if, if you have someone to go to that you can ask questions about, oh, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I hate to ask, but say you can't find somebody who knows this stuff. I hate to admit how much stuff I've learned off of YouTube. I mean, is there, you know, like Lost Last Guy or whatever. I mean, is there anybody that you actually like that knows some of this? Um, That's a good question. That is a good one. I haven't gone looking for it because I, you know, grew yeah. up around him and got trained by those old Convair machinists. Oh, Lord, oh, they were great. Lost wax. So great. Lots of wax. Lost wax. Lots of wax. That's what I have yeah. to do is because I don't have any old timers to do stuff. Lost wax is a guy named Chris who uh, does EVA foam stuff. Storm the castle. Yeah. Ridiculous. Storm the castle. Back there. Okay. Highly recommend if you want to learn to run machinery. They want to run techniques on stuff, find a tech shop. Yeah. There are tech shops run in most of the cities around here. And also makerspaces. Yeah, makerspaces, yeah. yeah. Tech shop yeah. makerspaces. They can be community college. They're places you'll have people who will teach you first, say, you know, the tech yeah. shops. Anybody here from the labor board or the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to share something I don't want to, they don't want you to know. If you ever get laid off or you're on unemployment or anything, ask for a copy of the ROP catalog, Regional Occupational Program. 
when you're unemployed, you can take all those classes you want for free. They will teach you how to harp well. Wow. Yeah. I kick myself because the last time I was out, I swore I was going to go up there and do that, and I didn't get around to it. But they'll teach you to do a lot of those things, which is interesting. Some of the uh, local Highway Adult Night School, they will take you into the high schools and work in those shops. They have beautiful shops the kids aren't allowed to use anymore. It's not part of their curriculum, but because they're there, they let the night school do it. And again, it's typically the retired teacher who is doing it. And so they can teach you a lot of those kinds of things. San Diego Academy, which is a public school, uh, has a working shop. The students, the, the high schoolers, are actually in there. They helped a group of adults and high schoolers built an 800-pound steampunk robot that was a, that's at the automotive museum right now. It's part of that, and uh, they have a two million dollar shop. I mean, they really do. So you can go in there. They have an adult school program. Uh, Palmar College has welding certificate programs and a lot of machining, good machining shops. Sounds so, like what I wish my garage was like. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I would just like to say, do not make assumptions about women. I personally, I felt from home to put in switchboard for 10 years. And I hate going to Home Depot or someplace like that when I know exactly <laughs> and why I want it. And had, I actually had someone in Lemon Grove tell me to please bring my husband <gasps> and my boyfriend. Oh, you're serious. Oh, 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 yes, I have as many tools as men, and I know how to use them. And it makes me crazy when you start saying something, somebody goes, oh, well, it's probably something you don't understand. Because you don't know what someone's background is. I have been pleased when I go to the maker spaces that there are almost more women than men working on it. And actually teaching and doing the thing. It's very impressive. So hopefully, we're getting away from that. Yeah, the shop might hopefully. Can you like share some more metal shaping tools with you? If you're doing one or twos, I'm back to hand files and stuff just because to get a bench grinder and uh, like you say, the disc sanders and the equipment to do that takes a big shot. People need to have the room for it and time for it. They're well, the electricity for it. Yeah. They're usually uh, refase. Refase. Yeah. So that's a 50 by 30 belt sander. Wonderful for a lot of things. A lot of belt sanders, a lot of equipment we think of as wood. You mentioned. Band saws. Band saw can be set up for metal. Uh, it's again how often you're going to use it. If you're doing one project, you use a little bit of it. That's when a maker space is real appropriate. You go down there, you, you they've got people who train you, show you how to use it, and you use it once a year. You're great. If you're using it a lot, then put the put the investment into it. And you can always order for your SD. Yeah. It's really cheap. It's cheap choice for the metal shop. It's a really tiny thing. And to do all those masonry tools, they're super easy, cheap. Like people that have a great ways to do setup. So it's just that. I find a drill press is kind of too handy to, to do. I do have a drill press of mine. Um, I don't have a bandsaw because I don't work in the small wood anymore on that. But the drill press. The other thing is, on any piece of equipment like that, 
hunt up, and I'm sure somebody in YouTube must show this. Again, I learned it in shops, but you could put fences onto the working space, and if you got to do, we were drilling holes, we were making like, picture a cribbage board, which was actually to hold little sticks to make Elizabethan rough collars, very obscure thing. But you had to drill 30 holes, four rows of those, and we were making like 20 or 30 of these at a time. And if you have to carefully measure out and mark and align every one of them, it's crazy, but if you set your fences up properly, and this is true of table saws, I mean, every radial arm saws you put a stop on it, you set those up, you can start with drilling like, oh, you're a machine. It's just a very high production activity. But it, it's, and setting a fence up sounds complicated. It's setting wood blocks up and clamping them onto it so that you have an exact distance that's always the same. And now you're just doing repeatability and you're going down the line. And I've seen groups do things like they have a little finger that drops into the previous hole and that sets your spacing to the next one and it just goes like crazy. So mass production techniques on power tools, again, if you're, if you're using it enough that you need to buy the power tool, learn how to use it so you can do high productivity work like that. One guy was saying use as a leather function. You can also get bench mounted punches that actually work nicely with it. I find that the, the drill press will sometimes chew up your leather a little bit when you try right. that because yeah. I have tried it. They make punches for in body shops and stuff, which yeah. is good. They make end punches for that in body shops, which are metal. I have big, I was buying cheap the metal shop at the college, NAU was going out of business, and I bought at auction, all bunch of their tools. So talking about leather tools, they have the nice leather punch, you know, the, the lever action, leather punches. And you can get a cheap arbor press. Has, has it, have you tried doing the arbor press technique? Because you're not going to do a lot of that and trying to jury rig that same. I haven't, again, it's, you're, you ultimately have to buy dies to use a right. press. And if the dies are set up right, mm -hmm. they would work in the leather deals. But to get the dies, you may as well get the, the bench mounted press because that's going to be pretty close to the. Some, some other way of doing that is if you ever use gasket punches. They're, they're, you know the small ones, the leather punches? They right. make them in bigger sizes for making gaskets for automotive groups. So again, you got to get those off, usually off the tool truck to snap on them. They don't carry the carbon frame, but they're gasket punches. You can punch through a full, I do mud flaps at work for you. Well, I, do they, I don't know if you can see them, gasket punches, they're like 45 bucks. Punches like that, though, do dull pretty quickly. So it's important that you always use the right backer on it. Even a leather punch, you have a scrap piece of leather behind it so that the die is never hitting the little brass plate, and you'll get two or three times the use out of it. That was a trick taught to me by Margaret. She's my expert when I get to any of those kind of things. Okay, any last thoughts? Yeah. Uh, for anybody who works with metal, um, has anybody had any experience with a smithy combination of uh, drill holding? Oh, the smith all in one shot deals? Yeah. 
I haven't seen them for metal. I've always seen them predominantly for wood, but they are a boring machine and, and they'll do a lot of different things. I know people who do a lot of high, high number production kind of things complain that because they do a lot of things, they don't do any one thing well. But they will work as a lathe and as a disc sander and as a ton of different things. Supposedly you never buy one new because there are widows selling those really cheap all the time. I haven't even seen them at Google. Yeah. Uh, Sherline does a combination and uh, combination end mill laying. They're made here in Vista. And then there's about five or six shops nationwide who will turn that into a mini CNC. And you can actually then do uh, once again, steel is not going to be something you're going to do on one of these little things, but they do aluminum pretty well, and they definitely do plastic and wood. And uh, there's a lot of people who've done those both for modeling and for you know college level maker spaces for many you know, before they came out with these new little mini end mill yeah. systems. Uh, they were kind of the, the go-to standard. I think we're just about out of time here, so I'm going to thank you very much for coming out today. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.